Right, for our South Australian listeners, what a thrill it was for the WBBL final last night. It went right down to the final over. It went right down to the last two balls. And who would you want behind the mic? Then the beautiful Andrew Moore disclosing, describing the closing stages. Wellington bowls to Hinkley, well flighted. Hinkley sends it high in the sky to log on. And it's big. She's gone all the way. Five to win off two. It was over the outstretched arm of Georgia Adams. Wellington bowls to Hinkley. Hinkley hits this up the long off. Back, back, back. (laughs) She's caught by Gemma Barnby. Five to win off one. Here we go. Wellington to Hancock. Flighted. It's hit in the air. She didn't get it. It bounces down towards short third. One run. Strikers win. Can you believe it? And the Adelaide Strikers are in a huddle, jumping up and down. They've done the seemingly impossible. And they've fought back to win. Restricting Brisbane Heat. They've won by three runs. A classic WBBL final with Adelaide holding the trophy aloft for back-to-back wins. The Heat needed 11 runs to win with the final over, the ball in the hands of Amanda Jade Wellington. Australian cricket legend, Hall of Fame member Belinda Clark can join you on Summer Grandstand on ABC Sport. BC, welcome. Thanks as always for your time. What a great showpiece for women's sport, a final that absolutely delivered. Oh, absolutely. It was a, a enthralling match to watch, and I think it was a fitting end to what was really an exciting WPBL season. What is it about cricket that often the best games are the, the low totals in which uh, the Adelaide Strikers in the end were able to defend 125, and the swings and roundabouts in the game? Amanda Jade Wellington with the ball, and it felt like all of a sudden that the Brisbane Heat were going to almost pinch it at the end had they been able to clear the boundary. Absolutely. It was tight right to the end, and I think those low totals really do uh, play on people's mindsets and their approach. I mean, Adelaide's terrific bowling team and, and uh, a couple of times during the year they've defended quite small totals. So their, their bowling attack is uh, quite phenomenal when you think about being able to do that consistently in a, in a T20 match. But absolutely, the, the Brisbane Heat will be very disappointed that game was there for the taking and they just stumbled at the final hurdle. I'm interested in the storyline of Amanda Jade Wellington, who is sort of an interesting figure. She's been overlooked in the Australian Colours for a little while now with the emergence of Alana King and Jess Jonathan, Georgia Wareham, Sophie Molyneux, and even Ash Gardner with her off-spin. So 13 needed off the last over. What have you noticed about her composure? And she's a unique character as well. I think that she feels really comfortable in the in the environment at the Adelaide Strikers and, and in the um, Scorpions as well. And she's now... You know, she's bowled an awful lot of balls. So once you've got that experience under your belt and she's had some positive positive uh, work done with her, I I just think that she's, um, you know, she's ready when that chance comes to play for Australia. I don't know when it will come, but this opportunity will come at some point and I think she just needs to be ready. But uh, she was phenomenal last night again and just the way she can enjoy her cricket, but then you can see her very clearly at the top of her mark switch on and, and she's very clear what she's doing. So... She's been able to, you know, balance that enjoyment and have fun, but at the same time be able to switch on and execute at the right time. The other lady who had an incredible night was Tali McGrath, firstly with about 38 from 34, at a time in which it wasn't really clicking for the Adelaide Strikers and then stood up big in that 13th over, picking up the wicket of Mignon Dupria and, and Loris Harris, who's had a great record in, in WBBL finals as well and was on a hat-trick and really swung the momentum back Adelaide's way. Yeah, and Tully's had a, uh, an interesting WBBL season, uh, but she's played her best cricket uh, when the teams needed her to play it. And I, I think that's 
um, a sign of her um, maturity and emergence as a you know really solid cricketer for Australia, and, and she loved this team, and she wasn't going to let um, you know the, the game slip away. So again, she intervenes, uh, she bowls some good overs, she bats well, and the team builds around her. But you know, a really solid performance from Talia, and, and dragged her team back into it. Um, Belinda Clark is with you on ABC Sport. Uh, you've moved away from Cricket Australia doing some high-performance stuff, some stuff in the leadership area. Have you done some work with Talia? Because she is a, a natural leader on field, but it's probably an area of her game which she's had to develop over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've done some work with Talia about um, three years ago. So it was when, right at the time where she was taking over the leadership of the strikers team from Megan Shute, who was missing, um, missing for family reasons. And the beauty of that was that I was actually already working with her at the point in time where she got the chance to lead. And, and sometimes I think that type of work with someone is most valuable when they're in the heat of battle and they're experiencing the thing. So you're not talking hypotheticals, you're talking real life experiences and things that are emerging. And, and I just think her leadership has been um, just on this trajectory. Uh, she's playing leadership roles inside the Australian team now. And I'm just so pleased and proud of the, the steps she's taken because, um, you know, she's seriously an introvert and she's found a way um, to, to get her leadership working, particularly at the Strikers. She's a really key member for them. What sort of morning would it be for the Brisbane Heat? Michaela Hinckley uh, was able to hit that six down the ground, got them within striking distance, a couple of metres either way with the next shot. Maybe she clears the boundary, but Gemma Barsby was able to take the catch. Uh, it's probably everything you dream of when it comes to a domestic situation, a game that goes down to the wire. You've got Australian players there, international players. It was all there on show last night. Oh, it was, and I think the hard thing for the Heat was that they, were, they had this game. They started well. Um, they fell a little bit in the middle. They bounced back. And that six really put them back in the game. And I think what they'll be doing is kicking themselves that they didn't get Amelia Kerr on strike at that at that point. So Michaela went for another big hit and it didn't work out. I just wonder what would have happened if she'd managed to get up the other end and let Amelia, who was in and set and a really clever player, manage the back end of the, that, that over two or three balls. I think it might have been a different story. But, um, you know, I, I feel for Michaela Hinckley because she, she played a great shot. It got them in the game. But I think strategically they needed Kerr on strike. It can be such a fine margin. What did you think of having the, the final at the Adelaide Oval? I guess there's an interesting debate today, given that the AFLW Grand Final is taking place. They're holding that at Princess Park in Melbourne. It's a sold-out crowd of 13,000, as opposed to maybe having it at the AFL venue in Docklands, which does hold sort of around 40,000. The Adelaide Oval holds 52,000. They had just under uh, sort of 13,000 last night. What's the right wrestle in terms of trying to grow the sport and getting as many people in as possible and making it look as attractive on TV? Oh, look, I think it's these things are never black or white. There's always a journey that, that sport goes on and, and um, this competition is no different. I think the fact they've played the final on Adelaide Oval and they played games at the SCG and the MCG, I think that's a really clear statement what their intention is for this competition. And, I, look, I think 13,000 at Adelaide Oval is a good result um, considering um, the competition and where it is in its evolution. So... I, I applaud them for putting it on at the Adelaide Oval. I think it was the right setting for it. Um, I think the fact that Adelaide earned the right to host and they put it at their premier venue, um, that's exactly what should be happening at final time of these competitions. And I would argue similar for the um, for the AFLW. At, the, at final semis and final time, you do need to find your way into the, to the big stadiums um, to signal to everyone that this is a really important game and we therefore should be on the best venues.
Belinda Clark is with you on ABC Sport. Just a couple quick ones, BC, and then I'll let you go. Uh, the retirement of Meg Lanning from international cricket. It's exciting because we've got a women's test match in India coming up and uh, to see whether Elisa Healy will take over the captaincy. We probably expect she will if she's fit. But uh, just a word or two as a former Australian captain about the legacy in which Meg has left the game. Meg's been a, um, a wonderful ambassador. Uh, she came into this team as a, a young superstar. Um, she's grown inside the team. She's become who she is because of that team. And I um, I think she's left an amazing legacy, um, not only on the sport, but on the people that she's she's played with. So I wish her best in the you know the course of action she's taken and I you know I know she'll um you know she'll look back fondly on her time in the national colours but absolutely she's been a critical member of that national team and their success over a, a really long period of time. So yeah hats off I think she's done a great job. And women's test matches have been so rare so the chance to play in India is historic. The, the timing is probably not ideal given it's taking place just before Christmas but any opportunity to play the longest form of the game. Oh, absolutely, and I think it'll be a really big test for this Australian team. Um, and, in, and in fact, it'll be a massive test for the Indian team because they play England in a test prior to the one against Australia. I think they only have three or four days off. So considering that they are sparsely um, situated inside the schedule, I think to play two tests within a 12-day window um, is really tough for players. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how the Indians respond to that and how the Australians respond to the, the conditions in which they'll meet. So um, both those test matches, Australia-India and uh, um, and England-India, they will both be very interesting um, contests. It's a lot of cricket in December. Uh, Belinda, always great to catch up. Thanks so much, as always, for your time. Good on you. Thanks, Matt.